Welcome to Bragging on Jesus, week number six. We're going to be talking about um, making the gospel clear. Now, there was a lot more information on this than I thought. Um, and um, really, we could have made a seven-week course out of this alone. So it was difficult for me to pick what to talk about today. We're going to talk about it next week also, and we're going to... Uh, write out the gospel, and we're going to share the gospel, talk about sharing the gospel, some great stuff. So, But today, it's uh, making the gospel clear, and um, so we're going to kind of do an overview of uh, some uh, the gospel and some facts about the gospel, so we can make sure we're on the right, all on the same page. So I want to start off with uh, Paul speaking in Colossians 4, beginning with verse 3. Um, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So the question for today is, what is the gospel? And how can we make it clear? Even, the, even though the gospel was clear, I, I'm sure for Paul, he asked for prayer to make it clear that he might be able to make it clear to others. So um, even though he knew it, right, he wanted, he needed help from God to make it clear to others. And so uh, if it's true for Paul, then I'm sure it's true for me and you. So uh, today I want us to, our goal to be to, to gain more clarity of the gospel for ourselves, knowing that we will continue to need God's help to make the good news clear to others. And I want to start off by asking you, what do you think the role of the Holy Spirit plays in sharing the gospel? Do we need the Holy Spirit to help us in sharing the gospel? Um, I think uh, clearly from our text we started with, Paul needed God's help, and that comes through the Holy Spirit in order to make the good news clear. Um, and I know I need boldness. I need the Holy Spirit to quicken me in sharing the gospel. Um, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand, right? And to give us words when we need them. Remember the lesson, I think it was lesson number one, we talked about John chapter um, 15, I think it was Abide in Me. And we talked about how we need to, to walk with the Holy Spirit close and let God's Word abide in our heart, right? And be about the mission. And God will, will whatever will glorify God through the Father, through the Son, if we ask, God wants His mission to succeed. And He will provide for us those things. So um, the Holy Spirit is really important. Jesus said in John 15, 26, I got three scriptures on this here. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So, boy, if we're going to be a witness and share the gospel, we definitely need the Holy Spirit. He will bear witness about me. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, 
just as it taught you abide in him. So um, John is, is saying again the same thing that, uh, that he said in John chapter 15. Abide in me, right? Abide in Jesus. Abide in him. And uh, the anointing. We have to walk in the Spirit, even though we have the Holy Spirit. So no anointing on us as a believer. And then uh, finally, Jesus' words in Luke 12, beginning with verse 11. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about what, how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. All right, so, I mean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't study and know the gospel. It should be clear to us. Uh, we should study to show ourselves approved uh, so that we, and to know how we're going to answer other people, right? Um, we're, we, but to the exact words we're going to say, no. If you know the gospel, if it's internalized, uh, the truths of Jesus, um, we don't have to memorize a text uh, or a, a, a few lines to share the gospel with others. Some religious people do that. They memorize answers and as a knowledge as though it's from books. But we have the Holy Spirit and we need to trust God for that and depend on Him, the person of the Holy Spirit. You know what? Acts 6 is a good example um, how the Holy Spirit aids us in sharing the gospel. It was um, Philip. Remember the Philip? The Spirit was who spoke to Philip. And uh, told him what to do and uh, where to go. And it aided, aided him throughout his sharing of the gospel to the, the Ethiopian eunuch, remember? And um, the Spirit spoke to, to Philip. And I think it, it, uh, it helped him in sharing the gospel. And then the, the Spirit actually um, carried him away to another location. And, uh, and then Philip preached his way home to Caesarea, which is where he lived. And, uh, and so all throughout the story, if you read it, the Holy Spirit is involved all the way. And it's the same for us. We need the Holy Spirit all the way as we share the gospel with others, right? In our discerning in every step. Okay. Yeah. You know, let's go to, to the next point I want to make, and that is, um, I want us to look at kind of the timeline of the gospel, uh, and think of it in those terms, and and to grasp what is the significance of the Messiah ensuring the gospel. Uh, not that we have to use the word Messiah, or, uh, I mean, or anything like that, but what is the, the significance of it? We, I want us to have an understanding of what's going on here. Of course, Messiah means the promised deliverer, promised one, promised savior. And um, we can see it in Genesis 3, 15. Uh, uh, and that's after Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They believed Satan. And they lost fellowship with God. And they were also cast out of the garden. They also hid from God. So uh, they separated themselves from God in that sense also. And um, and God is speaking to the serpent because he's he's saying this is the consequences this is the curse 
of, of what you have done. And he speaks to Adam and Eve, and he speaks to the serpent, but which is the devil. But we, we hear a promise for a hope of mankind and his words. Here's what God says. I will put enmity between you, that is the snake or the devil, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So the picture I see is um, like the offspring of the snake striking the heel of a man who is the offspring of the woman. And, in, uh, and the man, in turn, beats the head of the snake. Right? And that's the way you hit, kill a snake. When he strikes you, or if, I mean, you, you hit him in the head, right? You smash him, you crush him. So what is this portraying way back then, you know? Um, this is portraying the coming Messiah, the offspring of the woman, the offspring of Eve. Uh, and one of, it was one of her descendants, uh, the Messiah, Jesus, and how Satan would strike at him, and he would, he would be on a cross, crucified, and, and then actually die. But, though Satan might have thought, had a victory party, I don't know, um, Jesus rose from the grave, and he defeated sin and the power of sin, which is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Um, so, so we see that Jesus actually crushed the head of the Satan, of, of Satan or the serpent, right? And uh, and actually, it was the seed of the serpent, which is uh, which is sin, right? Sin is the seed of the serpent. Sin in the hearts of men, right? And also, Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit one day, right? Okay. So, that's what it's portraying. And it was obscure at the time. and But they did know some things. That they knew that the offspring of the woman was their only hope, right? Adam and Eve, where Adam and Eve failed, this offspring of the woman would not sin. And somehow, he would redeem those who had sinned in the fall of mankind. And Adam and Eve may have expected that their first son or their second son, Cain or Abel, might have been that promised one because they were the offspring of, of Eve. But then Cain killed Abel. So um, neither one were the promised one. And then in Genesis 4.25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. So maybe she thought, you know, this other offspring was the one, right? But, but Seth also was a sinner. And, uh, and so he could not do um, what, you know, what Adam and Eve could not do. He, I mean, yeah, where they failed, he failed also. He did not live a righteous life. And man continued to rebel against God, uh, seeking their own lust and passions. And in Genesis 6, 7, uh, it says this, So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. 
man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. And so, um, and so it seems like maybe um, man was so sinful, God was not going to keep his word, right? He was, um, you know, this, this promise, the Messiah, that would crush the head of the snake would, would not work because man was just too sinful. No. But then the next verse, verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so through the ark, remember, and, and the great flood over all the earth, God protected the seed of not only the animals, but, but of mankind. Uh, with Noah and his family, they went with him. Why? Um, why would he do that? Because he, he would keep his promise that through Noah's um, offspring now, uh, which would, it was still through Adam and Eve's, but now it's also through Noah's because his family was the only left alive. And actually through one of his sons, um, Shem, the Messiah would come, right? So all the way through through the Old Testament, we find over and over that um, this uh, the seed of this offspring is almost exterminated, but God protects him. We see it in Esther when the whole Israel uh, race was was about to be destroyed, and uh, we say we see. Um, the same promise made in Genesis was made to uh, Abraham, David, Solomon, even wicked King Ahaz. They were in that lineage of the Messiah. And, um, and all of them could have died many, many times, but God stepped in. Remember, even Saul tried to kill David over and over and over. But, but God stepped in and he protected that lineage from being cut off. Remember Joash, uh, he was the only sole surviving descendant of David uh, to, that could sit on the throne. And uh, someone had came in and killed all, probably Satan at work there, trying to, to cut off the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. But God protected Joash, and through him, Jesus still came. And, uh, and so then when Jesus was born, uh, even King Herod tried to kill Jesus as a child, didn't he? But God restrained him. So, um, and you know, God Himself had good reason to to cut off Israel, but except for His Word, right? And who He was. Isaiah forty-eight nine says, "For my name's sake, I defer my anger." God is speaking. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. So, so God would not cut off Israel, which is, through Israel, Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. The only hope for every nation, tribe, and tongue. So, um, so now, just moving on here, what is the gospel then? What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15.3, Paul says, for I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So that's, I mean, that's simple. You know, Jesus, he, he, he died for our sins. He was buried. 
and he rose from the grave, right? But now, you know, how does that, um, what does that actually mean? You know, we can say it simply, but um, if you was to explain it to someone or try to under, understand how is this good news for me, what would you say? So I want to look at a few things here. Um, it's good news. Why? Well, let's start off with the Messiah, Jesus, who, who died for our sins according to the scriptures. Um, and he, he was buried and he was raised on the third day. Where Adam failed, Jesus, the Messiah, succeeded in living a righteous life. Okay? Uh, Cain and Abel and Seth and, and Noah and Abraham and David, all of these people failed. And so why is it important that Jesus succeeded? Well, the Bible says, Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. And another place it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Um, and um, in fact, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when, after they sinned, even before, uh, Eve told um, Satan, she said that God said the day that we eat of the fruit that God told us not to eat of, we will surely die. So what two ways did death come to Adam and Eve? Well, when a person dies, their, their spirit separates from their body, right? And, uh, and then they're dead. And that eventually came to Adam and Eve. And it was because of sin. But they didn't die that same day physically. There was another way that they died that was much worse. Um, just as uh, when the spirit separated from the body, we die. When, the, when God's spirit separates from mankind, they died spiritually. Right? Adam and Eve were, were separated from God, just the way a man's body is separated, is separated from his body when, when he dies physically. They die spiritually. And then all of their descendants, all of their offsprings, uh, were born out of fellowship with God, with the seed of sin. That is, except the Messiah, Jesus, who... The Bible had uh, prophesied, and it was, that he was born of a virgin, right? Okay, so he wasn't born with the seed of sin. But we're all born uh, out of fellowship with God now because of Adam's sin. And we're all sinners too, right? Um, and so like, um, like Nick, Jesus talked to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. And then he talked about the Holy Spirit. You have to be born not only of the flesh and blood, but also of the Spirit, right? So we can be born again. We can be back in fellowship with God because Jesus did not fail where Adam failed. We can, we can come back into fellowship with God, all right? So the wages of sin are death. And that happened to Adam and Eve. And it happens to every man, spiritually and physically. And also, we notice that Jesus, 
He had no sins that needed to be paid for. The wages of sin is death. He didn't have to die. He never sinned. Uh, and so he was the only one suited to take the wages of our sin. He didn't have to die for any of his own. So he could take the wages of our sin and die on the cross. And also, he was the, since he was righteous, he was the only one suitable to impute his righteousness to us. And he, he does so for all who he chose before the foundation of the world, from every nation, tribe, and tongue, whosoever will come to him, whoever believes in him. And we're going to look at what belief means in just a minute here. I want to go to another point here. What part does, does grace and mercy have to play in salvation? Just briefly, um, we cannot earn our salvation. Uh, we, can, we don't deserve salvation. We've already failed God. It had to, Jesus was the one who was our intermediary, right? He died for us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. No one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, um, and so that's, we're saved by grace. Grace is, is God giving us something we do not deserve, uh, something good, right? And also, you know, mercy. Mercy is God not giving us something that we do deserve. We deserve hell. So these, these two are both kind of two sides of the, of the same coin. Uh, Matthew 9, 13, Jesus said, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So the only way we can, we can come to Christ, and when we're sharing Christ, we have to make this clear. It's, it's not through any, not even your own will, right, uh, can get you to heaven, you know, uh, and no work you can do. It's grace. If you have a will to come to Christ, it's because of God's grace. Um, so now, next question, what part does grace play in sharing Christ? So 2 Corinthians 9, 8, there's many scriptures, don't have time for them. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So every good work, I mean, the best work we can do is, is to share the grace of God with others. And that is grace according to this scripture right here. Um, and the things that God gives us, it's for the mission. Um, that's why he says you ask and you don't receive because you ask uh, to fulfill your own passions. I think he says that in James. All right, so we need God's grace. We need his Holy Spirit as we talked about. And next, is, is repentance necessary for salvation? And does it come from man or God? So uh, what is repentance? Well, repentance is, is turning around, right? If you repent of going one direction, you turn around and go the other direction, right? And so we were, we were you know, 
seeking our own glory, our, our own passions, and, and we turn around. And, and now we're, we're on the, the, the path that Jesus wants. We're, we're his, his, he is the path. You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Repentance is turning around, and it's going a different direction. And uh, does it come from man or God? Well, do you think Robinson Crusoe, that book was right, when, when the, the, the character asked uh, ask God to grant him repentance? I mean, God has to grant it, he thought, and that's what he says. Here's what he says, quote, I cried out aloud, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou exalted prince and savior, give me repentance. It's a great book, by the way. Um, and so, yeah, he was right, actually. God has to grant us repentance. He has to grant us a repentant heart uh, that turns away from sin. Acts eleven eighteen. when they heard these things, they fell silent and glorified God, saying, uh, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, and, you know, repentance is, uh, it seems like it's, it's an act of the will, right? And it is. Uh, but God is the one that quickens our will also. Romans nine sixteen. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. In Philippians two thirteen, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, so that's pretty clear. We need repentance, and it comes from God. So um, this, we need the Holy Spirit. We need grace um, and mercy, and we need repentance. Now, now, uh, what does it mean to be born again, right? So, next question. Because a lot of people have heard that so much, but it... It means nothing to them. Even Christians don't really get it sometimes. You know, they don't understand what's happened to them. John 3, 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, um, for sinful man, you and me, the holy kingdom of God is out of reach. We cannot see it with fleshly eyes. It's kind of like wanting to see the kingdom on a planet like a, a million light years away. The only way we could ever see that kingdom would, would be to be born there. To be born there. Uh, and that's the only way we can see the spiritual kingdom of God. That's just, that's just the way it is. It's too far away. We cannot reach it in, in the physical Right? So we need Jesus. So um, that's what being born again in the Spirit is. Uh, uh, and then, just like a child that's born here, uh, and he sees this kingdom, all of a sudden his eyes are awakened uh, to, to new things. He says, ah, look, there's the doctor right there. There's a light. Oh, that's pretty. Look at that color thing right there. And then as he grows up, he sees new things, and, uh, you know, his curiosity and his astonishment and his joy in seeing the beauty that God created on the earth. And that's what it is for a believer when they're born again, you know. They begin to see new things, and everything is, like, amazing to them in the kingdom of God, right? 
And, and so next I want to answer the question, what does it mean to believe? That's another one that I think that um, we hear so much, um, but it doesn't always process in our minds. What does it mean to believe? I think in the same chapter of John, uh, be John 3, Jesus, Jesus explains what it means to believe. Pretty clear, real clear. And uh, we'll start in verse 14. He and Jesus interjects um, something strange into the conversation. Here's what he says. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So this was a re reference to the story out of the children of Israel's 40-year wilderness journeys. And um, in Numbers 21, the people spoke and turned against God and Moses and God sent snakes um, out among the people and it bit them and many died because they had sinned. They, they had always over and over, they just sinned against God. And, uh, you know, they were looking out for their own, their own selves instead of glorifying God. And, uh, but the people... Um, Okay, so in Numbers 21.8, the Lord, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who was bitten, who is bitten, when, they, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if, if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So this story must have puzzled uh, the Israelites and, you know, the Jewish leaders, maybe for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, why would God have us look at a snake to be healed? Wasn't it the snake? You know, Satan showed up in the Garden of Eden, and that's what brought sin into the world. You know, it's kind of a symbol of sin, right? You know, as we said, Adam and Eve um, and all their descendants are out of fellowship with God, and... Uh, and that includes Nicodemus. Jesus is telling him he can be born again into God's kingdom um, if he looks upon Jesus, right? You see, how does Jesus relate to the snake, to Satan, to sin? Well, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sakes, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus paid the wages of our sin, right? He was the only one that could do it. He was on the cross. And when they put the, uh, the snake on the pole, it was like sin was being paid for, right? Up on that pole. Uh, remember Matthew 27, 46, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting from Psalms 22. Um, so just as Israel would be saved from the punishment of their sins if they looked to the snake, we are saved from the wages of our sin as we look to Jesus who became sin for us. We receive the righteousness of Christ. So, so that is what believing is. It's trusting God and looking to Jesus. If we do not believe God's word, we will not look to Jesus. Just like the people in the wilderness, if they didn't believe 
Moses, and they said, ah, that's a hoax. That's the most stupid thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yes, I've been bit by a snake, but I'm not going to look. Uh, then they didn't believe. They, they didn't have enough faith to look. So, But that's what believing is. It's looking to Jesus in faith. John 640, uh, Jesus said this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So there's a way of looking upon Jesus in belief. Isaiah 45, 22. Uh, uh, that was a verse that was very instrumental in the great preacher and Christian Spurgeon, right? Um, when he became when he became a Christian, it led him to Christ. He was struggling with what it meant to believe. He even came to a point where he didn't know if he would ever be a believer. And that, that believing just, it crippled him to understand it, I guess. And, uh, and he went to, it was a, you may have heard the story, it was like a snowstorm. And he was going to his regular church, but uh, there was another church closer. And, um, and so he got in out of the snow and went to a, a different church he had never been to before. And, and the preacher didn't even make it that day, but a deacon, I think, was preaching. And he didn't have much to say, and he just basically uh, repeated the same verse, I think. Um, it was uh, Isaiah 45, 22, out of the King James, James, it says this, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. So believing means trusting God's word and, and looking to Jesus as our only hope. He's our Messiah, right? And as a Christian, you know, we do that every day. I mean, the gospel isn't just for getting saved. It's, it's uh, every trial, every trouble, every relationship issue we face, every problem. That, uh, through it all, we keep looking to Jesus, just like we did when we were saved. Even in sickness, even in death, because uh, of the gospel, we can count it all joy, all gain. He became sin for us, and he overcame the grave that he, that we might be justified. Uh, and he would proclaim us as, as uh, righteous before God. And we will overcome because of Jesus. Um, and so we look to him in faith, and that's what it means to believe. And I'll... Close with uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now our homework for next week um, is to write out the gospel. I think you've got uh, you. There's probably more information you know about the gospel, and some that we've talked about today. And I want you to write out the gospel. Next week we're going to have some fun time. Uh, uh, some little projects I have. It, it won't be intimidating. Don't worry. It, it has to do with sharing the gospel. It's kind of um, it's real interesting the way, I, and it'll be fun. So, um, but the homework is to write out the gospel. And uh, if you would, um, I think so. Um, you can write out the gospel um, using 
your choice, a focal text of um, Genesis 3, that's the fall and the, um, and the curse and the promise. And you can tether that to anything else that you want in the Bible. Or start off with John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. Tether that to anything you want. Or um, begin with Isaiah 53 and work from there. Um, okay, well that's your assignment. And um, let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, oh Lord, just uh, thank you for showing us your glory in Jesus, Lord. Please... Uh, Reveal yourself more to us. Help us to, to, to understand the gospel, Lord, so that, that we might um, know it ourselves. And then, Lord, give us clarity, Father, that we might share it with others, Father. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit uh, goes with us, Lord. I, we know you're with us, Lord. That I pray that you, you enable us and grant us, Lord, to, to walk in your spirit and let your words abide in us, Father. And... Uh, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will um, will give us the words to say and that we don't trust in, in our flesh, Father. Uh, and don't let that our own insecurities of the flesh hold us back, back from sharing your, your gospel. Even if we just come to you, Lord, we've got a testimony. And your Holy Spirit can help us share it uh, with others, Lord. We have good news, uh, Lord. Please, please go with us. Help us to do that. Increase our confidence. Let it be in you, Father. Give us, uh, give us our opportunity. You know, open up doors for us, Lord, and help us speak with clarity. Bring us back, Lord, so that we can uh, continue to to um, to encourage one another in the gospel, Father. Help us to walk in the gospel. Look into Jesus, in, in, as we live out our our daily life, and to point people to Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.